Ah, uh, good afternoon, Costa. How are you? I am well, and heading into week three of Advent. It yeah. flies, no? I can't believe it. Uh, well, that's what that's the sad part about Advent is it's too short. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's building up to something great. But um, yeah, I'm, I've kind of been enjoying it. I know. I'm o- I'm already thinking that like Advent is comparable to the Spider-Man movie. I know it's going to be way too short, and I know I'm going to be very. I'm excited around it. I think I'm. I am like really excited. I haven't been this excited in a long time. You were talking about this in August. I know. With the I kids, know. you were talking about this when they, I know. the freshmen were coming in and they, they're meeting their chaplain, who's talking to them about Spider-Man. <laughs> If you don't if you don't see me in school next week it's because I will be watching all of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and okay. then the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man preparing myself for this Spider-Man movie. Did okay. you get tickets yet? No, I didn't cuz I I am going to be that guy. I don't care when we get off when we're done on the 17th. Mm-hmm. I'm figuring out in my schedule who's got like a 10 o'clock movie showing in the morning. And you're going? I'll go by myself. I don't care. Just so the listeners know, because Father Dave will often say, I don't invite him over the, or anywhere and I'm not nice to him. I did invite him. I have <laughs> tickets to, I don't know if it's opening night, I think we have the second night. And I invited you. He yeah, said, I know. He invited his kids. I- Sorry, man. I can't make it. <laughs> so he'll tell you, like, I don't invite him places, which for the most part's true, but I do invite him some places. <laughs> and, like, I know that Spider-Man movie could be three hours, but it's not going to be long enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like Advent. Yeah. It's like it's not long enough. Spider-Man's like Advent. <laughs> I don't even know if that like actually makes sense because I'm like delirious today. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. I'm ready for it. Being that we're like halfway through Advent here, like what's what are your favorite Christmas songs? I would say anything in a minor key. Oh, oh, okay. Like so a snob. <laughs> it's so funny you use that word Musical because snob. No, it's because that that is who I am. In, in many levels. A but musical snob? <laughs> I am. I'm a snob with music because I'm a musician, so I'm like really, really particular, and I'm not afraid to let anybody know if there's something I don't like. Are we using that term loosely, like music, like... Your perf- like what, snob? No, like musician. Well, yeah. No, not compared to like a real musician. I could play instruments, but... I mean, I don't... When was the last time you pulled the guitar off the wall in your <laughs> office? <laughs> yeah, not recently. <laughs> I remember how it works. <laughs> so um, I do, yeah, I do have like a lot of really specific tastes in music. Um, I'm a restaurant snob too, because I was in food service. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So God forbid the the bread isn't warm and the coffee's not good, because it'll be a night for me. <laughs> yeah, you were in food service. By the way, a total aside, this has nothing to do, we didn't even plan this, right? The guy was in the food service business. Do you think we would have any connection any particular food service. Like you worked for the Mets, right? You did food service for the Mets. I did, yes. You think we still have those connections to get into City Field? No. 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 Right? And, and and that's not that's not gonna happen either. Do you think we could get like a free lunch here at St. John the Baptist every now and again? <laughs> no. <laughs> He's exhausted all of his resources, guys. It's been so long ago. But I do, ha- I do have those snobby tendencies. You, you actually said something, something funny to me. That I was lamenting the other day that I... <laughs> we, we really do a lot of talking. And I was lamenting that I had no friends. And like, how do you get friends? <laughs> Your response was priceless. He goes, well, you got to be nice to people. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, guys, I, I was having a really bad day about... Uh, it was about a week ago, right? I think it was right after we recorded this last podcast. Okay. 
And uh, I said, I want a hug. And, oh, here we go. And I went to give him a hug. And it was like... It was like hugging a dead fish. I didn't. I've never hugged a dead fish, but I know what yeah. it's like. It would and be like that, like, huh? He just like there was no there was no movement, and there was the, actually he didn't actually respond to the hug that I gave him. So all he did was like tap me on the back three times, and I was like, "It's so depressing." <laughs> well, just from my side of the story, I was walking in someone else's office because we we're like in the middle of like work. And um, didn't realize we, you were having like a, a meltdown. And I, I, in my left hand, I did have a computer. I was carrying a, you know, a, a Chromebook. So it was really hard to, you know, to do a firm embrace when, well, when I have a Chromebook in one hand. I understand. I would have like slapped in the back of the head with it. You, you, Not on purpose. You just, are Italian. Like I would imagine like it should just come natural to you. Yeah, no, it, it, and I'm really, honestly, I know that my last name ends with an A, but I'm, I, my Irish roots are far oh, deeper. You yeah, know what that's no, like. Definitely. It was shake hands at a at an appropriate <laughs> distance. <laughs> we'll extend our warmth that way. <laughs> but I think um, you know what really grow has grown on me. It has to be done well. What? Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. Because if yes. you're just plodding yes. along on the arg on the organ, my God, it could put you to sleep. It just drones. But if you're doing some really nice harmonies with it, and 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 some really nice vocals, it, it could be absolutely beautiful. For That's me, one of my favorites. It begins and ends with Josh Groban's rendition of that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't need to, like, I won't listen to anybody else's. Yeah. Are you a, does it so well. along those same lines, A Holy Night, are you a, are you a fan? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big fan of A mm-hmm. Holy Night. As, well, especially, like, when he does it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, completely. Oh, remember last Christmas I surprised you with that? <laughs> yeah. So, so guys, yeah. Last Christmas Eve, we did not have somebody, a musician, to come and play at the four o'clock Christmas Eve mass at uh, here at the school. So he just went about his spot. Uh, Rich went about his Spotify collection and pulled out Josh Groban. Well, because in the homily you said you like Josh Groban, so I thought I'd surprise you. So I tuned out the rest of the homily. I'm sitting at mass trying to find Josh Groban's thing on my phone so I could run up to the to the booth and put it on for you. That was, was my Christmas gift to you. I was not shocked that he tuned me out in the homily. I, I would have found another reason if it wasn't that. <laughs> I was shocked that he was spontaneous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I'm I, I I'm at the presentation of the gifts. I'm praying at the altar, and I'm like, that's Josh. Mm-hmm. That's Josh Groban. I hooked you up. <laughs> What others do you like? Well, I see, like I have two different, I have two different sides to me. I, I love the, 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 the classical kind of choral, the, the, the mm-hmm. church music. Um, but uh, like, I love, uh, uh, as you were saying, oh, 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 oh holy night, mm-hmm. silent night. But I, I absolutely love to, it might be my favorite, Lo, How a Rose Air Blue. Really? Oh my goodness! Oh, I, uh, I love that too. That's interesting. We never talked about that before. And, and you know, the other day, I was driving in the car, and uh, I had not. This was the first week I started listening to Christmas music. It just life is just. <laughs> I just have forgotten about it. Yeah. Have the tree up. Have the lights up. But I, I don't know the words to it, and so I pulled up the words mm-hmm. as I'm listening to it, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, this song is. It's like the melody's beautiful. The it the, is." Uh, the singing that I that I, you know the particular choir that I listen to is beautiful, but 
then reading the words mm-hmm. of the song, I almost cried. Yeah. I was like, it's so beautiful. And then uh, the angel Gabriel's message. Mm-hmm. Love, love that, love that. I feel like true. Matt Marr has a, a rendition of that. Oh, does he? Yeah. I've never, heard it, I've never heard it from him. Yep, and Sting. Really? Of all people. Sting, Sting's is pretty good as well. Really? Yep. But see, like, but then I can then I can get right into like Mariah Carey's. Oh no! Uh, yeah, I can. Oh, it's going downhill now. <laughs> oh, but there's actually another. It's a country Christmas song. It's Ugh. about thirty years old. Skip Ewing, right? It, it's uh, uh, it's about Joseph actually. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's 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 all about I have a feeling Joseph there's nothing Trump. good I'm going to say, but keep going. I know, it's a beautiful song about it wasn't his child. It's a it's that's the name of the song. And it it's, wasn't it, my child. It wasn't his it wasn't his oh, child. Oh god. <laughs> I, and I know theologically that's about, correct, yeah, but, but it just doesn't sound good. But the way he sings the song is good. I'm the sh- lyrics are good. Yeah. It it gets me emotional. Okay. Which doesn't take much. That's true. <laughs> But it's not my child. I just don't think that's... No, really... you're saying it wrong. It wasn't his child. <laughs> but, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm happy, though, to stay out of stores because they just, they just drone on and on with these, the same... It's like the same four songs. Oh, And yeah. then you, you get to Christmas and you just can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> so I do, I really do, though, like um, the ability through things like Spotify to create your own lists. Yeah, I do. You know, like the that. songs, the songs that you like. Yeah, yeah, and some of the classics, like the Nat King Cole ones, are oh, you know yeah. nice and uh, yeah. But you know what is because um, you know as as time has wore on as a as a as, as a priest for the last seven eight years, it's this this will be my eighth Christmas. It's been um, it's difficult. It has become even more difficult for the season to slow down because so many things are going on in the church or even here at like now at the school. It, it, life just goes so fast. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I don't want to be listening to rocking around the Christmas tree anymore. Yeah. Good song. I can listen to it once, but like for me, the, the, the more the church hymns that like, that helps slow me down, slow my soul down. And I just like, I, I like that touch of, of the beautiful. Yeah. That it gets me, it gets me into the season. Uh, my, because my soul is craving it craving the beautiful so like to listen to the words and the melodies i mean they're all beautiful yeah. beautiful Th- this is very memento mori of me but do, do you ever like hear a song and wonder will that be the last time you ever hear the song because of your age no okay i'm just wondering <laughs> way to take way to really take this down <laughs> just it's learning to appreciate it is, well is guys talk about a from. spontaneous left-hand turn here <laughs> So in the third week of Advent of Hope, we're going to talk about death. <laughs> we we are preparing though for the you know the to time to be with Jesus. That's what Advent is, Father Dave. You know, it's leave it to Costa to turn the permit. third week of Advent into a funeral talk. <laughs> permit me to offer correct theology, but if you don't want to, you don't want to go there. You want to be all happy and tinselly and. Running around the Christmas tree, putting lights up. You, yeah, fine. It's not going to bring you ultimate pleasure, but whatever, you go with it. <laughs> wait, wait. Your kids say, "Do you tell me your kids have a good time at Christmas in your house?" <laughs> Despite me, yes. It's because I have a very joyful wife that <laughs> counterbalances me. <laughs> 
poor children. Yeah. <laughs> they are. Oh, my gosh. So on that note. Guys, I, we had no idea that that was going this way. I mean, that's the best part about doing this with him because he's such a wild card. <laughs> well, people have responded and, and reflected. It is like listening to a conversation. It is. I just, I really, that was a legitimate question. Has that happened to you yet? Well, the, 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 I mean, like, the, if they really wanted an insight into how we actually work together, the, guys, this is what our meetings are like. <laughs> it's true. And we we speak a lot to each other, but we actually never listen to each other. <laughs> no, that's why we have the third campus minister, Jess Maddalena, who, who does that. Who reigns us in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm what? surprised we make it the, as far as we make it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm surprised that any of the kids know anything about Jesus from us at this point. No, they get that from their religion teachers, not us. That's true. <laughs> so what we, we thought we would do as we kind of enter into the third week is talk a little bit about some of these um, people that we, we see commonly in the, in the narratives in, in Mark and Luke's—excuse me, in Matthew and Luke's Gospel— um, the only two places, the only two of the four places where there even is an infancy narrative, Mark and John don't don't discuss it at all. Right. But we 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 hear them at mass. Um, we see them often in the the crushes that are all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to talk a little bit about you know who they were. Some we want to give you a little bit of context about how they might have been perceived two thousand years ago as opposed to our culture. Um, our 21st century culture, and then and in, um, a little bit about the theology behind it. So nothing too deep at all, and no. probably not terribly long either, but hopefully it will be a help to make the scriptures come alive for you as you, you hear these stories moving forward. Yeah, and, and, we, and uh, just to add to what Costa just said, you know, hopefully we can, we can bring these... <clears throat> um, Christmas uh, uh, characters, these Christmas figures in the gospel, uh, to life and 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 make them human uh, and hopefully relatable to their to possibly our you know maybe yours or our you know uh, contemporary circumstance and and relatable for sure. And we were doing that with the saints on November first. Yeah. You know, yeah. talking about that because I think that does when you when we remove them, and I'm repeating myself a little bit from that day. But when we remove them from the pedestal, still honor them and be in awe of them, but awe of them as as humans that we strive to be. And everybody but one in the list of people that we want to talk about are saints. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that right. we want to bring up today. Right. So the first person that we would like to talk about <clears throat> is is Zachariah. Uh, Zachariah. Uh, for those of you uh, who don't uh, know, is uh, Saint uh, Saint Elizabeth's uh, husband and Saint John the Baptist's father, and Zechariah was the high priest. He was uh, he was the one, as Saint Luke describes, uh, was righteous in the eyes of God, and as the high priest's job, it was his it was his duty to go into what would have been called um, in the temple the Holy of Holies. Could I interrupt? Was he the high priest in Jerusalem? Yes. I yes. See, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Yeah. So continue. I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big deal back then. That's a huge right. deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, so it was 
it was Zachariah's duty to uh, to go into the Holy Holies, which would have been where the Jewish people understood, you know, behind the veil. Like in John's Gospel, when Jesus dies, the veil is torn from the top down. And there was this unbelievably very lengthy, a very uh, high veil that covered this the inner sanctuary of the temple where everybody, where the Jewish people believed uh, God's presence was the Shekinah, where his presence existed. And it was his job on behalf of the people to go in there and offer uh, incense and sacrifice. <clears throat> and, and we see very quickly in Luke's gospel, Luke starts uh, his first cha uh, chapter two, actually, um, by, uh, by bringing up Zechariah and how he goes into the presence of the Shekinah, the presence of the Lord, into the Holy of Holies, and Gabriel, Angel Gabriel, appears to him, and uh, and tells and tells him that uh, he says, "I am Gabriel, who stand before God. I was sent to speak to you and to announce to you this good news." But now you will be speechless and unable to talk until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled at the proper time. So when, when Gabriel uh, spoke to Zechariah, uh, Zechariah says, well, how should I know this? He said, you, you will, you will, uh, your wife will bear a son. And he said, well, how, how should I know this? Like, she's old. Um, and it's interesting because it's the very same question that the Blessed Mother will will mm -hmm. be asked by by Gabriel, but bless, the Blessed Mother is not uh, stricken mute. So from this moment with 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 Angel Gabriel in the presence of the Lord, Zechariah, uh, who was the representative, the high priest, the one who was supposed to have undoubted faith, uh, is now stricken mute. Uh, from angel from angel Gabriel, because he doubted that he doubted that a miracle could take place in his life. He doubted that God would would because I'm sorry I'm sorry I forgot to bring this up that Saint Elizabeth who was old in age would bear a son, right. and she was barren and they had not they did not have children, and so you know Zachariah is this priest. He is supposed to be the example of faith for the people of God. Um, in Jerusalem for, for the Jewish people. He is the high priest, and he doubts when he goes into the presence of the Lord. And because of that, you know, God muted him. Uh, he was unable to speak until John's birth. I never really made this connection until you just said it because you made the comparison to Mary. So you have the, the highly educated, quote-unquote, man of God who's right. doubting, same scenario for Mary, the 14 or 15-year-old who says, let it be done to me according to your will. Right, right. Her question... That's a, Mary, great, that's a great message. Mary's question to the angel is, um, how can this be? I haven't had a relation with a man. Yeah, pretty legitimate the, question. Right. Yeah. But there was no... The, the difference that they want to bring up, that, that St. Luke wants to bring up, is that Zachariah <clears throat> was a man who was doubting, mm -hmm. whereas the blessed... In his question, completely doubting, Whereas the Blessed Mother was like asking a question, did not doubt, but she was just like, so you kind of How's wanna, it going to work? Yeah. How's this going to work? Yeah. <clears throat> um, 
And I just I just wanted to 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 raise this this question. You know, have you and I struggled and doubted in our faith? Like that, have we doubted that God could work miracles in our life? Yeah. You know, um, I would imagine that Zachariah had to live with this for a long time throughout his whole marriage. You know, the disappointment of not being able to have a child, and that there was a stigma with that then too. Right, and you know, and and. Uh, uh, you know, St. Elizabeth, uh, who Zachariah's uh, wife, uh, could not bear that child. Uh, she would have been looked at as, yeah. uh, as, you know, for one as barren and, and old who could not produce children. She was looked at as cursed. And they would have gotten that from Abraham and, and Sarah. You know, that, that right. whole line of, of thinking really starts with, as far as the Jewish people, starts with them and all the, the consternation exactly. and, and then problems that caused, particularly with Abraham and Sarah. Right, and when we look at and Abraham, what is his, he is our father in faith. Yep. He's our father in faith, and they were dealing with the same situation that Zachariah and, and Elizabeth were dealing with. You know, so to not take on the example of Abraham mm-hmm. and, and be... A, you know, quote unquote, f- father of faith for the people of God, for the people of Israel during that time. Uh, the Lord in his presence. Now, granted, it, the Lord could have smoted him because a, a high priest, when he would go into the presence of the Holy of Holies, uh, they, they would they would wear a bell around their ankle and a rope and they would walk into the presence of the Holy of Holies. And depending on who the high priest was, if he was unclean, if he was sinning and living a life, you know, a double life, and he went into the presence of the Holy of Holies that way, <clears throat> there were some that were recorded that would die because really? they were they were living a double life. They were not they were not fit to be in the Lord's presence. They were masking a rating. They were masquerading uh-huh. as someone who was holy. But was not living a good life. Interesting. A double, a double life, um, deceiving the people. Mm-hmm. And if they were in the presence of the Holy of Holies, when the bell would ring too loud or it wasn't ringing because mm-hmm. they weren't moving, that's when they would pull them out. Wow. Because nobody else was allowed to enter mm-hmm. uh, the Holy of Holies. And so Zechariah was not stricken dead, but rather muted. And then once John the Baptist is born, people are. The people are asking, "What is the child's name? What is the child's See, name?" See, this what I is find this name? I find fascinating. It shows his conversion, but finish. Yes, it does show his conversion. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it shows his conversion because uh, now Zechariah, you know, the Lord had done this to Zechariah to shake him, to wake him up, and he couldn't speak, and so he took the tablet and he wrote John, and that's exactly what Elizabeth had chosen for him, yep. and everybody was shocked and amazed, and at that moment, Zechariah regains his. His sense of speech. Am I correct to say the tradition would have been his name would have been Zachariah? He would have, yeah, he yeah. should have named. He, I mean, back then the tradition was you name your son after the firstborn, yeah, right. And yet, the angel said to name him John, yep. and he named him John. Yeah. Um, another group, uh, well, not another group, a, a group that we wanted to mention too that we often will see in the uh, only in the Gospel of Luke, and that's an important part. Are, are the shepherds. So, so what were the shepherds? And we, and we know what a shepherd did. But as they were understood back then, you were relatively low on the, um, on the respect totem pole. 
right? Yeah. To mix a whole bunch of metaphors there. Yeah. Um, that um, a shepherd would have been, I don't know what you call them, the lowest of the low, but they were not the people you and you know, invited over for pizza on Friday night. <laughs> no. You know, because they were out with the sheep all the time. Um, in th- There was a period of time where it was the um, the youngest son would always do it. Um, King and, David and, was. Exactly, right, right. Um, and then the youngest son would change as they had another child. Um, but the, the, um, the it, you are not high in, in societal stature. So in, in Luke's gospel, the... Um, there were. It says in now they were shepherds, and and the, we we've heard the story so many times. Now there were shepherds in that region, living in the fields and keeping night watch over their flock. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were struck with great fear. So that's interesting in and of itself, because in that mindset, the God's not appearing to shepherds, right? Zechariah, perhaps. Right. But but not shepherds, right? So that's right. unusual in and of itself. And the angel says, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For today in the city of David, they would know that to be Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you who is the Messiah and Lord. So Messiah means one who is saving, the one who will save them. Now, right. there was some confusion as Jesus started his ministry and continued his ministry, what that what they were being saved from, the Romans, as opposed to sin, but but they would have understood that word Savior. And this will be a sign for you. You will find an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts of the angel praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace on those to whom his favor rests. So right here you have the angel, um, a messenger from God, appearing to really the lowest of the low and saying this in the city of David is going to be who's who's coming. And and this is Luke's in this is where Luke is focusing on throughout his entire gospel yeah. is that is that God has come to the lowly and yeah. every because Luke was a physician himself, a mm-hmm. doctor of his time, he is looking at Jesus as this person as this Messiah who is going to uh, the lowest uh, in the society, the ones who needed the most help, the ones who needed to be healed, um, the lowest of the low would have had, like you said, no uh, status within the community. Uh, and so for Luke to point that out is saying that these people are just as important yeah. as those who have status. And if if you grown up in the in the Catholic Church or a Christian church, we because of the Beatitudes, right? We tend tend to know that. Right. And and this would not have been a brand new thought in Jewish, in the Jewish mind, but certainly not at that time a prevalent thought. Um, right. And and for the most part, not one that would be lived out. We all you know in all societies, whether it's a country, whether it's religion, we we sometimes don't live our lives in a way that is prescribed to us by. The Constitution, the Bible, the canon law, whatever it might be. The, um, the same is, is going in here. And then the story goes on further because then they go in great haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known the message that had been told to them. So we're going to get to Mary and Joseph a little bit, you know. But Mary and Joseph are, they just had a baby, you know, so that kind of texting. You know, no matter right. no matter how the baby's conceived, it's taxing to to do that. Uh, you know, pr- particularly for the mom, or totally for the mom. Um, 
But when they heard it, they were amazed by what they had been told um, by the shepherds, right? These people who they never met before are suddenly coming and confirming in them what they had been told nine months previous, yeah. you know, that, th- that this was going to happen. These strangers appear. That, that God chose the shepherds um, is, the more you think about it, is really, really stunning and, and would be something that really for people this time would be very hard to believe. Yeah. If I could just add one quick thing. Not that the shepherds of this time would have understood what I'm about to say, uh, but it is, it's revealed and, and, and the churches, uh, you know, uh, theologians have expounded on it, is that <clears throat> the shepherds' joy, whether they knew it or not, and, and I think we, could, we can kind of assume that they didn't because they would have not had the education, is that the, all of the prophets had foretold that he would come to the lowly, the Messiah would come to the lowly, the downtrodden, the poor, the ones the who suffering being, servant the from suffering, Isaiah, yeah, yeah, the the ones who are getting, the the poor who are getting like a, as Amo, the prophet Amos t- speaks about, like trampled on in the streets, that that what man has despised and discarded, God will treat with great mm-hmm. with great love and dignity, and the joy, whether they are aware of it or not, that what what the prophet has been, you know, uh, prophets had sp- uh, spoken about now coming to realization, but like the joy of that message is now realized. Mm-hmm. And that's why they run, and then that's why they bring everybody else. Yeah. You know? And it was more than words, and I think they, the, the, the word that had been promised to them is now a person. Yeah. Think about that for a second. Yeah. And, then, and, they, they, and people are reacting to the joy. If they had got out there and read like a, a, a parchment. Hear he, hear he. Nobody's going to care. No. But they but they pick up on the joy. Like, whatever those guys saw, I want some of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the, yeah, the message is realized in flesh. Yeah. Right? That's why I love where one of the first things that Pope Benedict had written and spoke about in his pontificate was that, uh, and, and I'm just kind of summarizing this, this quote because I am terrible at direct quotes mm-hmm. when I don't have it in front of me, is uh, Christianity is first and foremost... Yeah not a set of philosophies or uh, ethical rules or moral values or theological virtues. It's first and foremost a relationship with a person. Yep. And yep. When, we lose tra- when we lose that train of thought, when we lose that reality, we're no longer living out the Christian life. It's yeah. obligation. Mm-hmm. It's not out of love. Checking off the boxes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Exactly. So, um, who do you have next? <clears throat> well, I just would like to touch on uh, Saint Elizabeth uh, just a little bit. We kind of mentioned her. Uh, you can't not mention her with, right. without, you know, Zachariah without mentioning her. But um, one of the things that uh, I, I would like to read that passage uh, in in Luke uh, chapter uh, two. Um, yeah, it it kind of uh, towards the end there, um, where uh, it says during the uh, it's chapter two verse thirty nine. During those days, Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to the town of uh, Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
And how does it happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leapt for great joy. Um, you know, I, I just want to kind of touch uh, on something really quickly here. Is that, um, is that, once again, going back to the beginning of the chapter, how Luke describes Zechariah and Elizabeth to be righteous in the eyes of God. Right. And to be righteous in the eyes of God meant to be living upright lives, to, to, to be people uh, who lived by faith uh, and real love for God and his laws. And, you know, coming, uh, coming like across Elizabeth at this point, she's about six months pregnant. And, uh, you know, Elizabeth has not conceived a child her whole life. She was, you know, she was barren. She was sterile. She couldn't, she could not have children. And I just think about like the heartache that Elizabeth must have had to not be able to have a child. You know, for one, not being able to, to, to have a child. And look, I'm not a woman, so I, like, I don't know what that's like f to, you know, a, a, as a woman. But like not to be able to do that, um, you know, the, the in, the, maybe the insecurities that she had to deal with uh, on her own, you know, like uh, her own spiritual journey, um, y you know. And, and then possibly... You know the ridicule and the judgments oh, sure. from from the people I in her neighborhood or, mm -hmm. or town. Uh, to I mean, she was she would have been a highly public figure, being Zachariah's, you know, wife. And they would have thought that at the time to be a punishment from God. Yeah, yeah, they would have. Mm -hmm. And you know, so so Elizabeth being like unofficially in this spotlight and having to deal with this uh, like her her whole marriage to Zachariah. Uh, you can see the real, the real beauty in the statement that Luke says she was righteous in the eyes of God. That like, she would not allow, you know, that that cross of not being able to have children, and and the judgments that people probably placed on her, and the doubts that she had. Like, why is God allowing this to happen in my life, to overcome her? But rather, she lived a life dedicated to the Lord, knowing that the Lord would still see her through whatever it is that she had to deal with. So I think there's great uh, hope in the person of Elizabeth. And then the Lord provides this beautiful miracle for her uh, where she's now six months pregnant in a time where she never expected it to happen. Um, but I, I love it because like Elizabeth starts off, you know, like part of what she says is part of the Hail Mary. You and I pray the Hail Mary when we pray the rosary. We are echoing the wo words of Elizabeth. Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Mm -hmm. You know? you know, and, and then, like, the fact that, like, what she says... Now, we know scientifically what, like, how connected a mother and her child in the womb are. Right. And, and it's like, you could see at this moment that as much as she's physically nourishing John, you know, so that he's that he's growing in her womb, she's also imparting the faith upon John. Sure, you know, uh, and and you know, John responds uh, because he's already taking on the beautiful faith that mom is nourishing 
you know, Elizabeth is nourishing him with, where he leaps for joy, uh, sensing not only is the Blessed Mother there, right, but like our Lord is there as well. And and lastly, is that the Blessed Mother traveled, and I got the opportunity to go to the Holy Land and walk the very steps that the Blessed Mother would have walked Did you? to get to, to oh. Elizabeth's house, uh, to Elizabeth and Zachariah's About house. How long? Huh? About how long was it? Um, I, I think they had said from where where Mary was living at the time to uh, to Zachariah and Elizabeth's home was about ninety miles. Wow! And it was all it's all rugged, rocky sure. terrain, and she's pregnant. Um, and and so like not only is Elizabeth receptive of having the Blessed Mother come. Uh, to help her out and assist her during her, you know, the final stages of pregnancy, and and helping her with with the birth of John, uh, and but uh, but she's also there as a companion and friend. They're rejoicing in what God has done. Like Elizabeth and Mary are are like beautiful, quote unquote, Christian friends on the journey. Uh, and 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 how they share in the joy of what God is doing in their life, and and how important that is from what they're from the example of Mary and Elizabeth, of of how important it is for us to to seek out and want and desire friendships and relationships that are holy, that are life giving, that help bring joy to the soul by the love that the other one has for their love of God. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. And I, I always wondered how far that was. And even the dynamic of Mary just deciding to go. She went in haste. Yeah. She went in haste. She didn't even think about it. Yeah. She was like, I'm going. And I, I want to be, not to be silly about this at all, but there's, obviously there's no texting. There's no way of even notifying right. her. She's you know? going. She's just going, and and she had to have a, a great level of comfort that she would be well received, right? Now, how awesome! Yeah. How awesome is that? Like going to someone's house, and it's their relatives. I get that, but sometimes that doesn't mean anything, right? You know, maybe the last time she saw her was the last wedding the family had, yeah. Or, you know, uh, who who knows what would 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 have been the last time that Mary had seen Elizabeth? Yeah. But wow, the reception yeah. that Elizabeth gives her. We'll, we'll talk about Mary in a little bit, but even for the, the Bible doesn't go into this, but even Mary talking about how this happened for her. But we'll right. talk about that in yeah. a little bit. The um, another group or a group that we see in Luke's, uh, excuse me, in Matthew's Gospel are the the wise men or the three kings. It depends what the mm-hmm. what the translation is, and then that's also really particular to to Matthew's Gospel. Just to talk about that for a second, Matthew's Gospel was written for Jewish Christians. So, uh, you know, at the time of the post-resurrection, um, they, the people that were followers of Jesus were all, were all different, but Jesus and the disciples were Jewish. Mm-hmm. And they had these Jewish traditions, and, and they had the, the commonality of their, of their heritage. So much of Matthew's Gospel, because he was Jewish, um, reflects a lot of those sensibilities that they would have understood. So that gospel was written for that group. Even even it starts when we sometimes get the genealogy. Um, do you when you have the either Matthew or Luke's genealogy at mass, do you like dread that? 
I'm not going to lie. Uh-huh. I always opt out of the option for it. You do. <laughs> I do. I don't. Well, actually, I don't blame you, because I I couldn't pronounce half of those names. Oh yeah, no, completely. You know, I'd be mumbling them. <laughs> um, but but Matthew's. So the genealogies are interesting in that Luke's gospel starts with Joseph and goes backwards all the way to Adam because he's trying to present Jesus as someone who's here for all of us. Where Matthew's starts with Abraham, the father of faith, the father of Judaism, yes. and works forward in time towards towards Joseph. So that that's a you know a sign to the reader that the, you know this is something that Jewish people would understand. It would be almost like if I, I should have had an example prepared for this, but there are if the the people who are listening to this are are in America, they hear the Star Spangled Banner and they know that's a song about the country, right? It's whereas opposed to another country, you wouldn't necessarily make that connection. There's probably a lot more subtle examples I could have used, but. It, it, it spoke to who they—Matthew's Gospel spoke to who they were as, as Jewish people. So when we get to the, the wise men or, or the kings, the Jewish people would have been very familiar with kings. They had three of them, right? They had Saul, David, and, um, and uh, Sam—no, Solomon. Solomon, excuse me. And um, they would have been familiar with that. Then they had, like, King Herod, who really wasn't their king. He was just like, like a plant from the Romans. Right. But they, the whole idea is they would have known that. And it would have right. been something would, they would have been familiar with, and it would have spoke to their heritage. So these, and, and we know the story, they come and, and they, they see the star, and Herod tries to trick them because he is a little bit fraidy scared and that the, he's going to be overtaken and the, uh, kill the firstborn. So he's really using them as a, as a plan to find out where this Jesus of Nazareth is. The, the inclusion of them... Um, is really beautiful for very many reasons that we we simply know about because they're bringing him these these gifts, right? These they're 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 kneeling down in front of him in front of this child, yeah. um, which is is a sign to the Jewish people of of humility. the mm-hmm. The way to Jesus is through humility. It's the it's the, the their understanding that. Um, the and it, that you'll hear later on in Jesus's life, the last shall be first, the first shall be last. Yeah, you know, so it would be something they probably uh, wouldn't have expected. Pope um, Benedict talks about them as representing the the search for truth. Yeah, you know that that yeah. that, that that that's almost that scientific search for truth that they're uh, going to find the source of all truth. You know, these right. very wise and learned men who can know many many things in astronomy, and but the actual truth is where they were headed. To find that baby, exactly. Yeah, so exactly. it's kind of a it's kind of a, a neat thing when next time you pass a, a manger to to think about them as as being so humble and the what a sign that was for Jewish people that mm-hmm. would not have taken it as commonly as we understand it today. Right. It it a lot of what Pope Benedict writes about um, the 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 encounter with the three wise men in their story and their journey is is uh, an example for you and I of how um, of how science should lead us. Mm-hmm. It, science should not uh, pull us away from faith, but rather our faith and science should work together to get us to that beautiful face. Uh, you know, when we surrender in humility and we kneel down, like, mm-hmm. you know, we kneel down our ego uh, and, and uh, our, our mind to the truth, it should, uh, in the in the discovery of nature, 
should be it should bring us right to our Lord. It reveals more and more of that truth. That's right. kind of a. I'm glad you brought that up. That is a a, a neat way of uh, of understanding it, you yeah. know, and then making yeah. it applicable today. Yeah, yeah. And uh, kind of uh, kind of touching on a little bit of, of what you said, we would like to kind of dive into the one person here who is not our uh, our saint in the list of people that we want to talk about and an example of faith uh, and morals, King Herod. What a dirtbag. <laughs> By the way, really quick aside, uh-huh. um, so there's an order of nuns not that far from here, and they they work in an old age home, and they, one year, uh, about 10 years ago, they were putting on uh, a Christmas play, and they asked me to play King Herod. I was, I was in the seminary. Oh, yeah, I was in the seminary, so I was studying, and um, I had become very familiar with the residents and with the nuns. And and uh, they needed a villain, and they wanted me to play the villain. They wanted me to play King Herod. So I said, okay, give me give me my lines. Like, what do you you know? How do you want me to kind of am I improving this? And they said, oh, you just do what you do. I said, well, what does that what mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? I, I well, they said, you you you'll you'll figure it out. And I realized halfway through this, you know, the 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 residents in the. The residents in the community, you know, in the community, they were forgetting their lines. Everybody was kind of going off script here from the Bible. So once I realized that by like Act Three, it was my time to kind of take the spotlight. Oh, I went, I went, I, I I really embellished it really pretty good. I came in hooting and hollering. They actually told me at the end, I don't know how to take this to this day. They said you did such a great job playing King Herod that we want you to come back next year and play King Herod. I said. Wow. What would, does that mean I, you like me as a bad guy? They said, well, it seems so natural for you to be a bad guy. <laughs> did, did you ever go back and do it? I did. I did it for a couple of years. Oh, I had a robe and everything, a, a wig. I did it up. Did you get your, your little actor's union card for that? <laughs> I should have. I should have got paid for it. They gave, the, the, the dinner was worth it. <laughs> oh, okay. So Herod, just, the, the politics of, of what's going on here is, is really helps inform the story. It's the, the, the Romans who were the occupiers there, and they were oppressive occupiers. The Greeks had been there before, Alexander the Great. They weren't as oppressive. They, it wasn't. You know, um, it wasn't hunky-dory or anything, but but they weren't bad. The Jewish people could kind of keep their customs and whatnot, but the, the Romans came in with a pretty heavy hand. And what they would try to do is put a Jewish person in charge, um, but, but people saw right through it, and he really wasn't a... Um, a faithful, he wasn't a faithful Jew or anything like that, and he certainly would not have had respect to the Jewish people, no matter who it was. Now, you could talk about Herod now, but he would be um, particularly a, a not nice guy. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he, was, he was not the people's choice. No. He was not the Holy Spirit's choice. He was Rome's choice. Yeah. Um, and there were so many different things that, uh, that we could speak here about uh, King Herod. But I think the first one you already alluded to, is that, is that the three wise men come, and they ask him. They go and pay reverence to him. They're in his kingdom, uh-huh. right? And he, they say, we, we're looking for the Messiah. We, we know that the, we have been following the star. Now, I, I love this, right? They don't have a personal GPS tracker, yeah. right? right? They're looking at the same star in the sky that everybody else is looking That's at. That's a great point. Right? 
all Herod had to do was tell people, yeah. tell his own soldiers to go and follow them. Right. But he was so arrogant mm-hmm. and and he was so indifferent yep. at the time because of his ego and pride that he didn't think it was a big deal. Uh, that that Enough to mis- be like a little concerned, but I'm not going to worry about it too much because I am, I am, I was about to say I am who I am. That's, right. that's God's <laughs> response to, who, to but, Moses, but, but, so, but, but like, almost like that though. So much pride that even as a Jew, mm-hmm. knowing that this is going to take place, he he didn't want to even surrender to the fact that, you know, something historical could be happening here. Yeah. Like, let's forget about the spiritual end because he was so bankrupt. Uh-huh. Uh, but then he was so obstinate and so, uh, you know, his ego was so great yeah. that he didn't even think to send anybody in his own kingdom. And he thought he would manipulate the three wise men that they would come back. And of course, as we read, they are, you know, they were told by the message of an angel after their encounter with the Lord, uh, not to not to go back the way that they had come and not go to Herod. Um, and he could have found the. You had mentioned a great point, which I never really thought about, that he could have sent people. He could have got himself. He could have also humbled himself too. Exactly. I don't think that thought would have ever crossed his mind no. because he would have been holding on to power, holding on to the the things of the world that gave him meaning, as opposed to the person of the world who would have given him meaning. Exactly. You know, that, that was in that manger. Exactly. Well, because and, and really quickly before I get to the the point uh, to an, uh, the other point that I would like to make uh, that Bishop Sheen talks about in in his writings, uh, but the star was in the sky for everyone. Yep, and and the star represents in the scriptures uh, the the people in our lives that have inspired us and brought us to pl- the place of faith, that have brought us to that manger to see Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, the star was in the is was a guiding light for the three wise men to get them to the presence of our Lord. And I and I can't I, I think of so many people in my life who have been so active and and guiding, you know, the the North Star, uh, the Star of Bethlehem, in my own journey of faith, uh, to help me come to understand where Jesus is and who He is, um, and so to know that He could have looked up in the sky, Herod, and seen that star as well, and looked at it and saw that. It was just like every other star in the sky that he couldn't tell the difference between the good people mm-hmm. in, in the world, the people who followed Yahweh and the people who weren't because he was so consumed and turned in on his own values and, and his own beliefs and his own ego and his own concerns that he couldn't just take a moment to see that there was something else there that was greater. We, we see narcissism like that then. We see narcissism like exactly. that Exactly. now. You're making me think, I'm jumping to Holy Thursday for just a moment, but when Jesus at the Last Supper says, take this and eat, take this and eat it, take this and drink it, the focus is on the word take. And he doesn't say earn it. He doesn't say pay for it. He doesn't say no. study for it. Take it's it. freely given. And it would yeah. make me think of that when you were talking about the star. Anybody could see the star. Anybody can go to Jesus today. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's still yeah. it's still the same thing. But but Bishop Sheen and, and I think another point that I would like to make that I really wanted to make regarding Herod as a person is is um, is uh, is at the at the crucifixion, like at at at, at the trial. Mm-hmm. Right, he goes from Pilate. Pilate doesn't want to deal with Jesus, you know. Uh, during you know that that good uh, Good Friday, he sends him to to Pilate, right? And then I mean, uh, Pilate sends him to Herod. Herod sends him back to Pilate, um, and there he is. In you know, Jesus is standing there in front of Herod, and and Bishop Sheen would say that uh, Bishop Sheen had said in his reflection of who Herod was, is that. He was a person who wanted God to just be a, like a magician, to mm-hmm. be an entertainer. Um, he was looking at Jesus as somebody who can just, um, you know, fill a, a moment of comedic relief for him. And Jesus doesn't say anything or doesn't do anything in his presence. Which makes no sense to him. Which makes no sense to him. And... And Bishop Sheen would would say that Herod had everything that he needed to convert and and to really con- like to convict his heart and right. and come mm-hmm. back a- a- on the right path. And and Jesus, in his wisdom of who Herod was, knowing who Herod was, knew that if he uttered a word, it would only have the opportunity to tear him further away. Mm-hmm. And so, for Herod not to be able to look into the into our Lord's face and not see goodness and innocence right. and love, he was his heart was already so far consumed in darkness that our Lord could have provided a feast at that moment, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered because Herod would have said he he would have said to himself, "Do it again." And that that's a great point. Herod and essentially created his own god, which was pretty much him. Exactly. You know, therefore the real god would not have been would exactly. not have been interesting. The I'd love to talk about maybe not now, but I'd love to talk about that more because that's a fascinating thought that he just wanted to be entertained because I think there's some connections to that in in our quest for that momentary entertainment without delving into the real uh the real mystery of god i'll have to develop that a little bit i yeah. think there's something there yeah so my friends uh my friends because uh we didn't realize how long that this was going to go because we continually don't know what we're doing <laughs> um we're going to end right there and we're going to continue this little journey um next week with uh, continuing and, and talking about john the baptist uh, our blessed mother and St. Joseph next week. But I don't want to leave us on this really depressing note of King Herod's life. But I would like to just kind of summarize, if we could, the questions that arise when we look at these uh, beautiful figures in the scriptures. Is that, have you had, have you ever been, like doubted your faith the way that Zachariah had um, and, and seen that there were certain situations that have unfolded in your life where it could seem like, wow, God is really upset with me, but maybe he was just rattling the cage to bring us to an even deeper level of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever felt like you were one of the outcasts and really part of the lowest part of society, uh, like the shepherds? Um, and, and and where have you experienced uh, 
you know, God's message of hope for you. Uh, what about St. Elizabeth? You know, um, have you have you had an experience of of talking uh, of maybe dealing with a a long uh, persistent issue that seemed like it would crush you and make you feel unworthy? Um, maybe maybe you've journeyed with in, in faith that way, uh, and maybe you've exemplified a little bit of what Elizabeth uh, you know had to deal with and. And do you, you know, can you gain strength in who Elizabeth is and how she greeted the Blessed Mother in, in great love? Um, what about the wise men? Are, are you and I people of of truth uh, or desirous of truth? Or do we avoid it? Or do we want to run away from it instead of running towards it? Um, and finally, do you and I struggle with great pride? Do you and I struggle uh, in recognizing when God is acting or speaking in our life through the presence of other people? Uh, do we allow our hearts to be so consumed with ourselves that we're unwilling to recognize when God is working in our lives? I think we'll end right there. I don't compliment you much to your face, but that was a very good summary. Well, really you've heard, no sarcasm you, there. You've heard it publicly, everyone. <laughs> he does love me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Have give a great you a hug one, guys. <laughs> Take care.